The film podcast you are about to listen to contains heavy spoilers, so if you have not seen the featured film we are discussing in this episode, please pause now and go watch before continuing. You have been warned. What is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. Welcome to another episode of I Have to Return Some Videotapes. I'm Armand. I'm Joe. And we have, uh, this is a special episode. We're all here in person recording. We have a, another friend. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? My, my name is Carlos Danger. Oh, really? That's your birth name? Uh, it's my stage name. My real name is Anthony Weiner. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I didn't want to tell, you know, the our cover's blown. We have ties to Anthony Weiner, y'all. But, yeah. Um, I'm clean. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, we're, we're up here in San Antonio chilling. We just watched a fucking basketball game, the finals. And uh, <laughs> how you feeling about the finals, uh, Anthony? My name is Carlos. Um uh, you know, <sighs> they happen, and you, you know, I don't have a vested interest necessarily in this finals. Uh, you know, whoever wins is kind of fine by me, but I kind of want the Suns to win more than I want the Bucks to win. Um, but, you know, ultimately I don't have a personal stake in it, so it's not too bad, not too big of a deal for me. Joe, how do you feel about basketball? They dribble it. Uh, people place bets. There's very tall men. And if you watch the WNBA, they're very tall. And, well, yeah, women, uh, you know, they dunk. Yeah. I will say basketball is probably the most, like, exciting sport out there in terms of, like, American sports. Football, I don't want to see men crush each other's skulls. And baseball's fucking boring. But yeah, on the subject of basketball, we're here to talk about uh, a film that involves basketball, Uncut Gems. Uh, mentioned it last time. But we also saw a new film that just came out called Zola. And uh, it's kind of a crazy film. Joe, do you want to explain Zola? So basically, uh, I can't remember like what year the tweets came out, but there was a, a lady... And her nickname was Zola. She went on Twitter and recounted this story. And as far as we know, it's true or like mostly true. And um, she basically befriended a sex worker and accidentally kind of fell into that life a little bit Mm -hmm. after a trip. 
It's pretty good for being based on tweets. It's pretty good, yeah. you know. It's like it's like those Facebook friended movies, you know, the horror movies, but it's like good. <laughs> That's an interesting way to describe it. Um, I think it has similar energy to Uncut Gems, where it's just like things go wrong at every turn, and it just unravels in a very chaotic way. So I think it was kind of cool that we saw something that was on that same energy. Carlos, Anthony, if you will, uh, how did you feel about Zola? Well, <clears throat> what I can tell you is that the the end of Zola and the end of Uncut Gems uh kind of i got a similar response out of me um not not totally the same but you know uh both of them were kind of like oh okay i guess that's fine <laughs> um zola didn't give me as much anger as uncut gems but uh we'll, we'll get into that later um overall i i did like zola i you know i mean i enjoyed it from a from an entertainment perspective and like you said, you know, it's based on tweets, so maybe this is um, too much of a, uh, I don't know, an, un, an unnecessary harp. But uh, I, I found myself just wondering, like, what the point was at the end of it. But that isn't to say that I wouldn't watch it again, I guess. It was, it was, stuff was happening, you know. Like, yeah, that's about it. Well, to say what the point was, it's like the same thing of like, what's the point of life, you know? <laughs> and that, the, well, I mean, the film, the film, it's kind of like a, it's just kind of like, it's a slice of life, yeah. but in like the most like, kind of seediest shit going on. And, and you could say the same about Uncut Gems and as well as the Safdie's previous film, Good Time, where it's just focused on this this these characters and the shit that's going on with these characters and that's how life is sometimes sometimes it don't make no fucking sense sometimes just shit happens um i don't know i think it's just you know the fact that like that tweet went viral or the many tweets hundreds of tweets and just like taking that and just being like yeah this is a fucking experience yeah i don't, I don't really know what else to say i feel like i have to watch this a couple of times to really comprehend my full thoughts on it but i enjoyed it overall what about you joe i uh i really enjoyed it i thought it was um i thought it was i thought it was a fun movie it's probably a good movie to like get drunk to or something and then watch it um i will say though and i will kind of like side with carlos in this regard the end you know without spoiling anything kind of fizzles out I wish it had a more, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know how the tweets ended, I guess. But I, I, it's a movie. You can, you can exaggerate. You can pull strings. Uh, yeah, nothing compares to the ending of Uncut Gems. But, yeah, I mean, all I can say is, yeah, it's a beautiful movie. It's shot very beautiful. Actors are good, especially the person who plays Zola. And uh, the I think the person, the Zola herself, was actually, like, executive producer and i think possibly writer has writer credit on it so if the if the you know the movie that it's based on is tied to that person then i feel like the movie is mostly accurate at the very least what else should we say about zola i think you brought up i think joe you brought up a good point in in terms of like i feel like 
uh, Zola. It kind of felt like Zola was cut short a little bit. I guess I feel mm-hmm. like there was more in there. I didn't. I didn't. I don't know anything about the tweet thread, so maybe that's not necessarily accurate. Um, but I just kind of felt like I, I expected a little more out of it in terms of the plot, like what was gonna. Ha- I wanted to know what was gonna happen next. It felt like uh, I didn't get the closure that I wanted. But as we as we've learned. Uh, when I, when we've talked, you know, amongst ourselves about uncut gems, I I have problems with closure, um, and uh, <laughs> you know, so both of them did not give me closure. But we'll 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 get there. But yeah, otherwise, you know, Zola Zola was good. The actors were good. Um, it was it was engaging for sure. Like I said, I wanted to. I I felt like there was more to be told um, at the end of it, and I wanted to know what was next. Um, so that's. That, there's that on that. Um, <laughs> that's that on that. 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 All the time I'm gone for a while. I'm out here doing it. I'm making people smile. Calling me, asking me where I'm at. I'm out here doing it. That's that on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, shout out Drake's dad. Just kidding. Yeah, that's that's all I got. I mean, look, I think that's just the, the flaw with human existence is always wanting closure, and we're never going to get it. Uh, and you just have to kind of get to that acceptance stage at the end of the day, is that things just fucking happen. I've seen, because this is a, it was made by this director named Janixa, I'm probably butchering her name, Janixa Bravo, and this is her second movie. And she made a movie called Lemon with her ex-husband, Brett Gelman. Do you all know who Brett Gelman is? what the fuck? That's her ex? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's kind of an uncomfortable movie. It's just, it's called Lemon, and you're just watching this, this balding white guy just be fucking really awkward and uncomfortable. It's like one of the most uncomfortable movies ever to watch. And like nothing really happens. You're just following this guy around just being kind of a, a weird piece of shit. <laughs> And his uh, what his wife is? What's what's that woman who's like in everything? Like she's an Ant Man. She's like in fucking Arrested Development. Uh, are you talking about Judy Greer? Judy Greer, yeah, Judy Greer, and she's like blind. She's like his blind girlfriend, and like he's like just being a weird, awkward piece of shit. And it's a very uncomfortable. Oh, Michael Sarah shows up with the goofy ass haircut, and he's like being pretentious as hell. And then they get into like a weird, awkward fight, and then like. Brett Gilman sprays spray paints the N word on Michael Sarah's car, and again the director is a black woman, so it's there's some weird shit about race in that film, and yeah it's just a, it's an uncomfortable film you should watch it. But there I would say the similarities, but there's there seems to be a style that this director has where it's just like let's just kind of focus on these characters just doing whatever. <laughs> I will say, even though I liked Zola, I do wonder because I heard this. I don't know if y'all saw the uh, the Pete Davidson movie. It was a Judd Apatow movie. The thing about Judd Apatow, he makes like really long movies. Some people think too long. Basically, it was this thing of like, even though it was engaging, I liked the characters. Would it have been better as a TV series? You know, that's you know, just yeah. a question. I guess since this is a Twitter thread, it's you know, it's hard to be like okay. How long could you really ex- stretch that out? So I, I liked overall what it was trying to do. I think, yeah, there were some parts where it dragged a little bit. And, yeah, the ending, it does just kind of just 
happen. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, it, overall, it was still fun. I would say go watch it. You know, it's it's an interesting. It's better than than the Boss Baby two. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, not a very high bar. <laughs> yeah. So if you have the chance. Uh, watch Zola. I don't know how long it's gonna be in theaters by the time you hear this. It might already be. I know it just came out, but you know, if no one's gonna watch it, then it might be on its way out. Uh, in terms of ratings, I would probably maybe give Zola like a seven out of ten. How would you rate it, Joe? I feel like seven out of ten is good. It's like it is good. It is engaging, but it does. You know, there is parts where it's like filler. You know, I've watched enough anime to know what you know. This, this is. This is filler. Okay. It's still very funny, though. So, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Uh, six. Fucking six. Um, a lot of tweet noises. Uh, not a lot of tweets. But, you know, um, I, I get that it's like a kind of a, what's the word? I guess a device, if you will, to represent kind of the, the, um, I guess the, the like the corresponding tweets and all the yeah. like alerts and notifications of like likes and retweets and all that. So like it was at, I mean, I guess it was supposed to be at particular points of the movie where it was like, oh, this is, you know, this is a moment. And it's like, oh, there's the Twitter noises. Um, but it, it, there is a lot of Twitter noises. Uh, and for that reason, six out of 10. <laughs> That's the reason why it's so low. It's because I don't know. I mean, like you said, I think that the the noises are supposed to represent any time. Like it's like this is like the actual tweet or whatever. But again, I I still have not read the actual tweets, so who fucking knows? But either way, it's still a good film. So go check it out. All right, now we got to talk about the main event. This fucking uncut gems. Um, how do we even give backstory to Uncut Gems? I don't even know where to begin. Uh, has fucking Adam Sandler in a role of a lifetime. I guess we'll talk about the elephant in the room is how people view Adam Sandler. Let's let's all go around and give our initial thoughts on The Sandman. Joe, how do you feel about The Sandman before and after Uncut Gems? So Adam Sandler played a very pivotal moment in my life. Uh, first of all, he was on SNL. I loved SNL. Um, even though that era of SNL was a little before my time, still, you know, you learn about things being an SNL fan. But then also, I ended up watching Mr. Deeds uh, more times than I like to admit, actually. <laughs> like, I had it on DVD, and it was okay. And it had, like, Steve Buscemi as, like, a character with, like, a really, like, an even weirder eye than usual, you know? <laughs> and, um... He tried to, you know, he was, he was trying to, like, uh, date this girl. But he's like, oh, my God, my quirk is that I have too much money. And I was like, okay. Um, That's a problem. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I watched that one. Um, I, I've, I've seen Little Nicky. I've seen oh, Big yes. Daddy. I've seen basically, oh, Happy Gilmore. Uh, and then the, the other one, yeah, Billy Madison. So I saw a lot of his like cultural touchstone movies and I didn't really get into like his more dramatic stuff until kind of like a year or two after uh high school. And so it's like I didn't know what to think of him. I kind of, you know, his comedy especially as a younger, as a younger man. 
very very goofy very like boobs kind of jokes you know and uh so it was kind of weird to see him in like a really serious acting role but he's pretty good i respect it i respect that he can make the bridge like jim carrey or whatever you know <laughs> uh there you go that's my thoughts well in all fairness not all the movies serious howie's kind of a goofy character you know saying shit like he's gonna come and all that stuff holy shit i'm gonna come and fuck you man i'm finished with this shit hold. What about you? What are your first impressions of Adam Sandler, uh, Carlos, Casey Anthony? Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's my name now. Um, you know, Adam, Adam Sandler, I haven't seen, uh, I think a fair amount of his, uh, I guess, filmography I haven't seen. But, you know, the classics, Big Daddy, of course, um, Happy Gilmore, you know, uh, so, so my, and you know, there, I, I've seen, I saw Jack and Jill in theaters. Um, <laughs> I, not on, not of my own volition, but you know, that, uh, uh, and you know, that was recent. Uh, so, so Jack and Jill, um, fucking, uh, oh God, what was it? Grown Ups. I did watch Grown Ups as well. Um, I've seen Little Nicky, most of it. Uh, you know, bits and pieces of the other ones here and there, but not not enough to to. But you know, to, all of this to say, you don't got to see a lot of Adam Sandler movies to understand, or at least think you understand Adam Sandler. You know, the the prevailing opinion of of Sandman, as we call him, is uh he's goofy, uh, and he generally does whatever the fuck he wants. Um, he's shown that he can be. You know he can he can do the dramatic role well, and he can actually like act. Um, you know, with with movies like Punch Drunk Love, um, but you know you also have like the other ninety nine percent of his filmography that's just like grown ups. Um, you know, peeing in the pool, uh, that kind of stuff, um, and you know, time and place uh, for sure. Um, but you know, he's he's shown to have that versatility. Uh, but he's also shown to, uh, you know, make money the best way that he knows how, um, which is with Jack and Jill and Jack and Jill 2. Uh, so, you know, so, yes, yeah, so that was generally my my pre-existing opinion on Adam Sandler was like, oh, this guy, he he can do it if he wants to, uh, but he just has to want to. And that seems kind of few and far between. But when it does happen, I mean, he's a good actor. You know, he, he he's not... He's not where he is for no reason, you know. He's he he does have a lot of talent and a lot of uh, ability, and you know, obviously with uncut gems, that's that's very clear. Um, you know, I I I think also he did like a, a TV show recently that is also more serious in nature that uh, came out right after Uncut Gems or right before. That is, I don't remember what it's called, um, but you know, he he. If if people didn't know before that he can do this kind of stuff, I think they know now, um, regardless of the lack of, uh, you know, um, fucking what Oscar and shit. Like I don't, it didn't win any awards, right? Yeah, he got snubbed. Got fucking snubbed. He got nominated though, right? No, nothing. No, no mention Whoa. at all of the Oscars. Damn. Okay. Well, 
But n- I mean, not even anything else. Like, there's other things in the Oscars. Yeah, it got smaller awards. awards than okay. The Oscars, but like independent awards, but like, yeah, it did not get any Oscar noms. Um, yeah, I, I have a theory on like the whole like Adam Sandler not like just choosing to act serious when he wants to because we we have covered we covered Punch Drunk Love in our very first unreleased episode. And I brought up on the special features on the Criterion, they have an interview at Cannes with him and all the other, you know, press release stuff. And, like, most of the interviews directed either at him or the director is like, why him? Why did you choose Adam Sandler when he does all of these other movies? And, like, I don't know. I To me, like, if, like, you come from, like, this, like, like kind of, like, just, you know, silly movie like world where you're just like oh we're just gonna make some dumb jokes and have a good time and then you try to go into like the the kind of the more art film world you you know there's a lot of pretension going around and that can be discouraging (laughs) i remember like one uh there's like a french interviewer who was like trying to ask paul thomas anderson a question and and he didn't understand and then like Adam Sandler just chimed in he's like he's he's asking you why you thought I was why'd you choose me out of all the people <laughs> but like he seems like I don't know about nowadays but like looking at that interview he seemed like a very humble dude like you just kind of like uh, I just want to have make everyone have a good time <laughs> but yeah um i uh, it just goes to show that given the right material Adam Sandler can give a fucking amazing performance yeah i i do want to say piggybacking off of that um i don't think adam sandler is out here to hurt anybody <laughs> i just think that he is he's he's like a dumb husband um <laughs> in that like he's harmless he's he's harmless but he's he means well, he, he means well. uh he's just a little dumb and and that's why you marry him because he's kind of dumb and I guess you can take his money and manipulate him if you want to. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's mostly harmless. And, you know, he's got those eyes, um, you know, those beautiful, beautiful eyes. And uh, you just, you know that he's not here to um, destroy your life. Uh, and I think that that's, that's, that's something that we should respect as... <laughs> as uh movie goers and movie watchers thank you i just like to say adam sandler is a himbo confirmed (laughs) confirmed (laughs) and um i mean you know what's weird for a long time i was like adam sandler movies are kind of like goofy and like you know a a little like lowbrow I didn't mind them until Netflix, actually. I don't know why, but maybe it's because, like, I got older. But when it got to Netflix, and I was like, they're giving you all this money, and you're still making this, like, slosh. What are you doing, guy? Don't be that kind of himbo. <laughs> so with, with those thoughts in mind, are we saying Adam Sandler is, like, basically Homer Simpson? Because <laughs> that's kind of Homer Simpson, right? <laughs> That's Homer Simpson. That's, like oh, he's yeah, like yeah. he he loves his family, but like he's he's a little bit like you know. Not over there. He's a little bit dumb. Yeah. That actually kind of describes his character, Howard Ratner, in Uncut Gems, where it's just like he loves his family in a way, but he's really, <laughs> but he's really fucking selfish and thinks mostly about himself, like most you know men do, but. 
Okay. I Okay, I have a theory. And this is not even something I came up with. This is something that I've like heard and apparently he's like talked about. Adam Sandler, apparently, you know, he will like he will like give these uh uh budget and like create these big dumb movies just to go on trips and just to fund his trips. Oh yeah. And apparently he's talked about that. Does anyone know about that? I I don't know personally, but I know uh in Red Letter Media their famous video on Jack and Jill, they basically theorize that it's all a like embezzlement scam to like make money for him and his SNL friends. And I, and you know what? I, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, look, I can't blame him. This is capitalism. This is what capitalism does to you. As as someone who saw Jack and Jill in theaters, not of my own accord, I can confirm. <laughs> I like how that's a running thing. Like you ask people about Jack and Jill, and then the people who saw it saw it. They're like, "Yeah, I I didn't ask to see it." <laughs> my my girlfriend saw it when she was like sick in bed one day, and it was on TV. <laughs> And like that must be like, because that movie's already a fever dream in itself. But just imagine just being sick in bed and like you can't change the channel and you have to hear uh, him doing that shrill voice and make jokes about like, oh, the Mexican food made me fart. Oh no, it's not you! It's Jimmy Chongas. So bad. <laughs> and just a lot of dumb other, like, you know, that's kind of Adam Sandler's bread and butter is like very dumb, lowbrow, obscene jokes yeah. where it's just like, make fun of people who aren't, you know, normal and white. <laughs> your, uh, your, your explanation of being forced to watch Jack and Jill, uh, when your your partner is sick in bed does remind me of when I was forced to watch Meet the Fockers eight times at least uh, during the vacation um, with my with my stepdad's family uh, in which I I didn't want to swim uh, like with his family um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know they didn't have any Wi-Fi at the at their house at their lake house um, and uh, I wasn't about to get on a jet ski. Um, so I, I ended up watching the only movie we had in stock, uh, which was meet the Fockers on DVD, um, to, you know, until the, until the vacation was over. It wasn't a vacation for me. I had to watch meet the Fockers, (laughs) but that's, that's what that reminds me of. I don't know what that movie is about, but isn't it about like step families? So isn't that right? So that's actually kind of ironic in a way. (laughs) You're, you're, you're familiar with the Fockers. Yes. You know, the, the, you know, the fuckers. I mean, that, the whole point was their name sounded like fuckers. Like, that's, yeah. that's the joke. And then the rest yeah. of the movie is also the joke. Um, yeah, you know, Ben Stiller. Uh, it's Robert De Niro, right? Robert De Niro. Um, you know, yeah, they, they, they're squabbles, um, which, uh, you know, most of America is supposed to relate to in terms of, oh, I hate my stepfamily or my stepfamily's crazy, et cetera, et cetera. The old ball and the ball and chain. Yes, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. I'm not going to tell you it was good. <laughs> um, God, I don't even know how to finish from there. <laughs> that's that's quite a tale. Um so Uncut Gems, if you haven't heard of Uncut Gems, it's uh it's directed by the Safty brothers. They're fucking uh they're kind of uh 
not necessarily new, but they're they're really blowing up now. Because before they had Good Time with Robert Pattinson, and then before that they had just a couple of small movies. But like they, you know, after Good Time they really blew up. But yeah, Safety Brothers they have kind of a style to them. I've seen uh, Good Time, I've seen Heaven Knows What, where it's just like yeah, it's centered around like one character, and you're following this character and how they kind of how do they impact other people's lives and uh a lot of people like to use the word anxiety associating safety brothers films because like there's a lot of close-ups and just a lot of kind of crazy shit going on um but yeah so we follow howard ratner who is uh this uh this uh jeweler who works in the diamond district he's got his own shop he's in his 40s he, uh, but that's not the only thing. He he's addicted to gambling, and he can't stop fucking gambling with his fucking what 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 his uh is his brother-in-law's money. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, there's a there. <laughs> he's a gentile. <laughs> well, yeah, the yeah. One thing you also have to know about this film: it's very Jewish. You know, Adam Sandler's Jewish. The directors are jewish there's even scene where it takes place in passover and all that stuff but yeah um i guess (sighs) this film came out in fucking christmas remember (laughs) it came out on christmas 2019 same as uh the fucking star wars movie i remember it was christmas eve and we all fucking went and saw it in a pack theater and that was amazing I guess yeah. Let's just go on our first impressions, just right off the bat. Uh, let's see. First impression that night. Um, yeah, anxiety is a good good way to describe it. And then you know, in a theater, everybody's like reacting. You know, um, I I definitely liked it uh, that first time, but there's like so much happening that yeah. you're just like it's like oh shit, we're here now. Um, and then the fucking yeah, like Arno, you you know, it's like it's, I don't know. This movie is like really interesting, and Howard. Uh, I feel like the first time I saw it, I was like, man, Howard can't get a break. But then like this may be like the third time I've seen it, and now it's like, damn, what are you doing, Howard? Like you fuck it up. So I think it's really cool that uh, you know a movie can like. It's like the same movie, but, you know, it's just a really, once you get to, like, really take a, a gander at it, you know, really analyze it, it feels feels a little different. Uh, A24 forever. I mean, uh, to your point, I've seen this movie, like, 15 times, and it still doesn't get old for me. I saw it, like, probably 10 times in the theater as it was out. <laughs> and I think, yeah, it's just there's so much that's fucking going on. It's just so chaotic that, like, there's a lot of details to pick up on with every single watch. And yeah, I fucking love it. Uh, everyone just, it's so detailed in like the world it, it builds. And like Adam Sandler really fucking becomes that character, Howard Ratner. Like you don't look at him as like dumb, you know, joke man. <laughs> you don't look at as, as at him as the same man who played little Nicky. Like you, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, this really is. Howard Ratner. But yeah, what what were your first thoughts, Carlos? Yeah, you know, as as somebody named Carlos Casey Anthony Danger, um 
you know, and also as someone who, you know, like you said, y'all have seen it a few times. Uh, this is your but, first watch. Right. Uh, y'all have seen it a few times. This is my first watch. You know, so, so coming from that perspective, you know, and I heard a lot about of a lot about it in terms of, like you're saying, you know, the anxiety-inducing nature of it um, and how, you know, chaotic uh, it can be. Um, and I think they did really well with that from, like, a, you know, like going into it with that, with that uh, you know, focusing kind of on that or, like, looking for, for the chaos, um, which you didn't really have to look for the chaos. I mean, it was everywhere. Um, but especially, like, at least immediately from a sound perspective, like, you get the... the I mean, they're just back and forth and back and forth and like very fast talking and just talking over each other and like very like very real, um, genuine like conversation, I guess, happening. And I feel like it was it was interesting to think about like what parts of it were were completely scripted and how much of it was like just fucking talk, like talk at each other more than you're talking to each other. And, And it seems like there was a lot of that going on and a lot of like flip flopping. Um, you know, which I think is also very, very genuine, you know, especially with, with Adam Sandler's character, like he was always like, oh no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then people like kind of push back on him. He's like, nah, nah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then he's like, oh, okay, fine. Fuck it. Whatever. It's fine. Whatever. I don't care. Um, you know, and, and that the kind of keeping that very, very volatile nature of the, of the decision-making process. And, you know, where the story's going just from, from those little pieces, you know, a- adding a lot of that, you know, it really added a lot of that chaos and anxiety of just like, I don't know if he's going to give up or if he's going to keep going, you know, like each exchange is always a battle. Um, there's always a back and forth, uh, but you're never really entirely sure, like, is this, is this, a, is this a thing that he's going to give into? to his, you know, whoever's on the other side of this conversation, or is he going to really try to hammer it home and, like, make sure that he gets his way, you know? So I think that that was really what stood out to me. Initially, it was just, like, all the, I guess, the sound design choices and, like, the way that they chose to keep the mixing, because I'm sure that there's, like, there's always background conversation in any movie and they just mix it down. But this one, there was, like, the background conversation, but also just, like the characters themselves are really arguing with each other and like just constant back and forth and like Kevin Garnett's pissed off and Adam Sandler doesn't want to get Kevin Garnett pissed off and nobody wants to get Kevin Garnett pissed off because that guy's fucked up um <laughs> you know and and yeah so that that was that was really the the main thing that I took away from and just watching it the first time and kind of coming in with that that um pre-existing idea of like cuz otherwise I didn't really know anything about the movie you know, I knew it was about gems in some way. I knew Kevin Garnett was in it. I didn't really uh, understand the plot beyond much of that. Um, but that was that was pretty much my first impression. Was just like, there's a lot going on, and uh, uh, it just keeps happening, and I can't stop it. And they're just going to keep going, and I just have to stick along for the ride. Um, and uh, it was it was indeed a ride. I mean, uh, you talk about genuine, the word genuine, and I think it's definitely another thing to describe that the, the Safties is that their movies like have a very like real world grit to them. And one reason that adds to that is they actually like cast like people who like aren't actors. So like, uh, Julia Fox, she was not an actor who plays, uh, Howard's girlfriend. 
as well as uh, the some of the goons, including Phil. Uh, he was actually casted on the street. They do a lot of street oh, casting, oh, the wow. Safties, yeah. uh, especially in some of their earlier works, too. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's like one element that kind of adds to that. And I mean, also just a lot of their stories are inspired by just, you know, real life things like, um, this movie was inspired by their dad who used to like work in the diamond district. And so it's just like, and I think this is like their longest project that they were trying to work on. Like, I think it took them like 10 years to make this and and <laughs> and yeah so it's just like this combination of just like real life things mixing with like their love for basketball and stuff like that it's just i don't know it's just there's so much detail to unpack in this crazy world but yeah also the sound design yeah i fucking love the sound design i would want to point out the the soundtrack it was made by a uh, daniel lopatin aka 10 tricks point never who also did their previous film the soundtrack's fucking gorgeous it's beautiful like <laughs> it just it really hits in the right moments and knows when to like strike emotional chords and stuff like that but it's just it's also like a weird contrast because it's like very like pretty new age synths while like you have all this chaos going on so it's like very uplifting I don't know. This is, it fits with the the kind of the mood of Howard because like he's he's always like even when there's many signs and writings on the wall that be like hey maybe you should stop, like you're really fucking things up not for you but like the ones around you. It's like he just keeps on going. He's just like yeah that's that's that gambler's addiction. I agree. And um, speaking of people who don't really act, I thought. The use of Kevin Garnett was really interesting because they used, um, what was it, the 2012 uh, finals? Mm -hmm. And that, like, really fucking, that brings you into it. It's like, oh, man, that's such a, like, I don't know. It's like a real, real world. Real life. Yeah, it's like real. It's, it's a, a thing that actually happened. And they, like, tie it in with the yeah. fucking rock. Um, not like the rock rock. Jim. <laughs> um it's really even as someone that doesn't really you know watch basketball it's really like damn you know you you fucking feel it you fucking feel how people feel when they actually bet on this shit you're like oh my god dude yeah and then also the weekends also in this movie too <laughs> strangely he just kind of shows up i mean it's still fun but i guess they're i guess maybe it was just like hey i want to be in the movie too guys <laughs> oh yeah um i was gonna ask you uh carlos since you're you're kind of the basketball guy here, you're a fan of basketball. Um, what's your opinion on Kevin Garnett, just in general? Well, firstly, I want to say that the weekend didn't do shit. Um, secondly, I want to say, uh, in in terms of Kevin Garnett, you know, I didn't watch him when he played. Uh, I understand that he was kind of the the main, um, if you will, uh, opposition to the legacy of Tim Duncan, who I'm a, I'm a fan of as a Spurs fan. You know, Tim Duncan is the guy. And he was kind of the other guy that was always, you know, people would always argue like, oh, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, you know. So so from that perspective, fuck him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, other than that, uh, I mean, he, he, I think, uh, I definitely agree that it was very interesting and very um, engaging like you said, not even even as even if I wasn't that into basketball or like didn't really care about Kevin Garnett, um, which I don't half of that at least. But, you know, like even for someone that doesn't care about basketball, like watching that movie, you 
you get all those feelings and i think that it's that's a testament to kind of all of it i guess i mean the the plot and the actors and um you know you really get that feeling of of watching a, a a sports game that you give a shit about um because now you're like oh this this is this is um howie's way out you know and that's you, you get that emotional uh attachment to it investment into it uh for that perspective and yeah like and and you know we were talking about the genuineness of the of the movie and the the how that comes a lot from the actors it, this is also like kevin garnett's first time acting uh, as far as I'm aware, yeah. and I mean, he didn't really have to act. I guess he just had to be himself. But I mean, he still had, you know, a a, a plot to follow and lines and whatnot, and and a a certain way to kind of go about being himself. And I think he was he was really good at that. And I guess also, like I was speaking, you know, kind of talking about how it felt like a lot of it was off the cuff, like all of the all of the conversations back and forth that at least, you know, especially Kevin Garnett was involved in. It feels like a lot of it was off the cuff, and like you know, there was kind of a general idea maybe for the scene um, and for the dialogue to go through, um, but not necessarily like them telling him this is exactly what you're going to say. It, it that's what it felt like. At least I don't know that for sure, but. From that perspective, being able to handle that as a first-time actor um, and, like, you know, dial into that and not, I mean, I don't know. They could have done a bunch of takes where he fucked up. I don't know. Um, but, you know, the end product, at least, was, it felt very, I mean, like they nailed it. Like they got the kind of the, the, the chaos of, of, I don't know, Kevin Garnett uh, wanting everything now and uh, also just, like, you know, New York, everybody wants everything now kind of thing. <laughs> It was in New York, right? <laughs> I, I I kind of assumed it was in New York. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's good job. <laughs> I, I do have to commend the Safties because, like, yeah, again, they use actual games from the finals, and they have to like interweave that in the story. So, like, they have to find like because you know Garnett. Uh, I guess we haven't really talked about the main plot, so like. How he gets this gem that he's been wanting for like the past year or so, this black opal. He shows it to Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett becomes like connected with it. And he's just like, I fucking need this. And he like and he kind of <laughs> persuades Howard into like, yeah, well, can we just say Kevin Garnett's kind of a dick? Like, cause he just runs off with this man's jewel that he said he'd lend that he'd like hold for a night or so. And then he doesn't give it back. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he could, becomes connected with this gem and is obsessed. But Howard has it set for auction. And he has to kind of deal with that. And Kevin Garnett running off with the gem and then dealing with the auctioners. And then not only on top of that, this dude is placing money on bets with money that he's getting from his loan shark, which happens to be his brother-in-law, Arno, which you, you know, find out later in the film, but it's just, it's all fucking, it's all one huge mess. <laughs> and, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say more about Kevin Garnett. Um, but yeah, Kevin Garnett's kind of a fucker. <laughs> he is. He is. Um, we're just talking about, I guess, like, just the characters and the actors. I fucking love Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, yes. Yes. He fucking... I mean, he can, the man can do anything. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, I don't know if he's done an action film yet, but I feel like he fucking could, because why not? But I do like, I like how Damani's character is kind of like a, a, a foil to Howard's. You know, he's always just being like, you're always fucking up, Howard. And Howard's like, why? No. <laughs> um, so I think it's, uh, I think it was cool to have that character, but you don't feel like it's like, too ham-fisted into the story it still feels pretty real because you're as the audience member you're like howard you are kind of fucked up you should listen to damani P- pushes him to the brink to where he just says fuck it and you know uh he puts fucking gatorade in the f- fish tank, howard's fish tank. <laughs> i thought that was lean i thought that was purple drink no you, he's like drinking some like what, what do they call it vitamin water or whatever yeah just wanted to say that the 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 back and forth of like, oh, Kevin Garnett has the gem. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, Kevin Garnett's not going to give it back. And then he does try to give it back. And then Adam Sandler's like, oh, I don't have your ring right now. Like, you know, just the, the you know, and he does eventually get it back. But like that, you know, just little things like that. Like it, it kind of feels, um, I don't know. I don't want to say like it's it's unnecessary, but. Like I feel like I want to say that only to underscore the fact that it it does really well in in crafting the you know just the 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 chaos of it all. Um, you really kind of get into into Howard's mind as far as like you know if something like that were to happen, you know this is his like in his mind a million dollar item, mm-hmm. um, and he's g- jumping through all these hoops every which way to to. I don't know, satiate his addiction for, uh, for one, but also just to try to, well, I guess that's kind of it. But, uh, you know, I think it did really well in, in, in having that, that back and forth and that, you know, is a, you know, cause in your head, in, in the audience's mind, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's actually going to get it back. That could just, that could be a whole nother train of shit going on. You know, and he he does end up getting it back, and and uh, there's there's more back and forth. The weekend comes in, which we've discussed. That guy didn't do shit, you know, but but almost cheat or cause cheating, and and uh, uh, I guess that's it. I don't know. I just I just appreciated the the you know you're there's you're never sure of anything in the movie like. You know, as it goes on, like, there's never anything you can be, you feel like you can rest on, I guess. Like, any any assumptions you may have can can be thrown out of the window, because it's just so, like, there's no, there's no concrete, like, I guess, logic to a lot of it. Like, it's very emotional, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, it, it stays that way until the very end. Yeah, I mean, emotional is the right word because uh, I mean that's the thing is like Howard puts himself in these like positions. Like yeah. he's like he has many times where like it's just like okay, dude, like you you ha- clearly have an out, but you decide to like throw yourself. Keep in. fucking going. <laughs> you, you, you like to put these like obstacles up. He wants to come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the dude's rich. He has a jewelry shop. Like why does he need to bet? But it's just like. It, I know, like, with gambling, like, like this this movie is basically kind of, like, on the fable. It's like a fable on, like, the dangers of gambling and getting caught in that, uh, you know, addiction. Because, you know, it is a fucking addiction. Because, like, 
because he'll do that shit. Yeah, like he can't fucking help himself. Like even at the end when he makes the big bet and like the like Arno and his goons give him a way out. They're like, look, call the call the you know your girl that you gave the money to. And he like he hesitates and he's just like I'm sorry like I really can't like <laughs> there's too much money on the line, but uh, I don't know it just it adds <sighs> you, you even even though he does all this to himself he still kind of root for, you want to root for him though because it's just like you're put dude you're putting a lot at risk you're risking your fucking family like you're risking your life like you really want it to to be okay. <laughs> I know it's really sad. Like the scenes with his kids, you're just like, oh man, he's got kids. Um, okay, okay, two things. First of all, the weekend. I thought his inclusion was so interesting because you know this movie came out in 2019. They've been working on this movie for quite some time. I think they included the weekend to like bring you back to 2012. Yeah. And it was kind of like it came out right before his uh, his resurgence in popular culture. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of weird to watch now because it's like current, but not at the same time because he has like the different hair and shit. And also, I think the um, I guess that like that heightened sense of anxiety we've been talking about is so interesting with Howard's character because it um, it feels like Howard is very kind of like I don't know. It's like it's like narcissistic or like just very like like can't like his attention is just so like towards himself or like gambling he can't lose he feels like he can't lose right and so i feel like given the audience that that heightened sense of like reality and like emotion is a really interesting way to kind of bring you into that if you don't experience that oh yeah 100 percent. i mean i feel bad for his wife and his kids um (laughs) it's funny that he has a son that's basically gonna be like him when he gets older because like they're both like like talking about like betting and stuff like that like they're basically the the exact same person and (laughs) it's pretty funny on the note of uh howard ratfuck's family i would i i just loved when uh he's like baby i want you back and she just laughs at him that's all oh yeah that's such a powerful scene i think you are the most annoying person i have ever met i hate being with you i hate looking at you and if i had my way i would never see you again as you see in the movie like howard definitely you know he's a charismatic guy but he definitely crosses a lot of people you know Mm -hmm. he loses uh that guy yussie in the beginning because you know those goons keep on attacking him and shit like that and he leaves he's always just uh yeah again narcissistic just looking out for himself not really caring about how his actions affect others in the process and yeah they really there's a lot of attention to detail because you see it like happen as the movie goes on you see like all these kind of like relationships you know kind of fall apart disassociate and like dina i think is like she like basically drives that point home of just like this is how fucked of a person you are like i don't like i think you're the most stupidest person ever like i don't even want to be with you i don't want to touch you like if i never saw you again like i'd be fucking happy like and yeah (laughs) i will say this movie is very like like it's based in new york but it's very long island Mm -hmm. which is a very distinct part of new york it's kind of like you know 
Jersey Shore-ish. And, you know, everybody has that kind of, like, Jersey vibes to them. Um, so that does paint, I guess, the... Um, I think it makes the goons really interesting because they're almost kind of cartoonish. But they are still very, like, kind of intimidating. You're like, oh, damn, they're really fucking them up, you know, like, at the school and stuff. And then there's some uh, guys after me in the movie who are uh, real. The, the, the Safdie brothers are really, like, into the right cast and, and who has the right look. And all these, a lot of them weren't actors. And these guys who beat me up. And I get beat up throughout the movie a lot because I owe money and stuff. But um, these guys were, who were beating me up were really good guys. But, but they didn't ever do a, a movie before. So there was a stunt coordinator who would say, like, you know, you don't have to really choke at them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, like, and they were all like, yes, nodding along nice. And uh, like, you know, this looks like you're choking him. They're like, uh, they literally didn't hear anything the guy was saying. <laughs> and they would talk to me like they love me. said like, Mr. Deeds was incredible. I said, oh, thanks, man. And then uh, action and then just full choke. And I was like trying to tap out and punch in the roof. And they're like, Adam's in character. And I was like, no, I really am getting choked right now. <laughs> I think what I just love about this movie is... Uh, it's like an epic because so much like Mar like uh, like our like our, our good friend over here Carlos was saying is like you don't really expect where this movie's gonna go. It, it has a lot of twists and turns. You think the main conflict is just gonna be you know Howard trying to get the gem back, but then you realize he has a gambling problem, and then once he finally gets the gem back, he real he's trying to you know get a bunch of money off of it in the auction, and realizes that he fucked up you know by you know basically it's like it's like a domino effect like one domino gets knocked down and it causes all this other fucking insane shit to happen and it just kind of spirals out of control like him trying to you know get his fucking uh what's his name gooey his uh <laughs> well whatever how I, don't, I forget how he's related to him um i think yeah i think it's dina's dad so it's his father-in-law so so Howard gets his father-in-law to come to the auction. Well, I don't think he gets him. He just shows up because he, you know, his 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 father-in-law, his son is like a huge fan of Garnett, and he like runs into the auction room frantically. He's like, "Oh, I got a bunch of, I want him to sign all this stuff." But yeah, like he shows up to, I guess, for moral support, and then you know he gets Gooey to jack up the bids so he can get at least like two hundred. And of course, it goes wrong, and Garnett stops at like 190 or something like that. And then <laughs> having to deal with that, and then like also Arno gets pissed off about it too. And like, oh man, there's just so many twists and turns. And then not only that, like he still has to pay Arno off from all the money because like he made a bet with the money earlier, and then they cancel that bet. And then now he has to pay them off again, and then he. Instead of giving the money from Garnett, he decides to make that huge ass bet at the end, and it just—it's just like, yeah, it's so fucking crazy, dude. Watching this film in the theater is such a treat because, like, you everyone just feels has the same energy going on, and they're just like, oh my god, this man needs to be stopped. <laughs> Speaking of gooey, I think. This movie has a lot of good lines, like when he, you know, I mean, we've mentioned already, but there's a famous line where how it's like, I'm going to come. And it's really good. Other than that, oh, I will say one of my favorite scenes is actually like when Kevin Garnett looks into like the gym and you see, I, I think it's just like 
pictures of Kevin Garnett yeah. growing up. It's so like I feel like that was such a good addition and like I don't know. I don't really <laughs> I don't really uh see a lot of people connecting with like jewelry and stuff quite like that. But it was like, damn, this this guy is gonna fucking kill someone for this gym. I mean, yeah, I think there's definitely like a slight spiritual element because again, towards the end where you know he fucking gets the money from Garnett and they have that kind of famous moment, the this is how I win moment, and he decides to bet all that money on Garnett and he's just hyping him up. I feel like it's a very like they're both connected to the gym. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of metaphorical ways we can go about, um, you know. The, the famous one being Howard was the gem all along. You just didn't realize it. The Ethiopians were the gem all along. Well, because you kind of uh, uh, I've I've saw other people point this out in like different video essays and stuff where it's like yeah, when Kevin looks into it, like you can see like he there's like a connection, like a strong. But like when Howard looks into it, like it's kind of like he doesn't really see anything. I don't know. Maybe it's just like with Howard, like it's all you know shallow at the end of the day. I showed this movie to my dad, who is a very, you know, non-material person, and yeah, he wasn't a fan of this film. He was just like, yeah, Howard needs to do some meditation and some, like, some some reflecting on his life. Why is he so obsessed with all this material possession? Which is a good point, but, I mean, uh, it doesn't make for an entertaining movie. We like to see pain and chaos, because we experience pain and chaos anything y'all want to add no i forget where kevin garnett is from but i know he played for the boston celtics for quite some time do you think they were trying to imply that he's like like um he's like like one of his ancestors is like an ethiopian jew I mean, you can take it. You can take it that way. I will say um, because he he looks he has such connection with the gym. He has such a connection. Okay. Why is that a point they need I'm, to make? Look, look I, I'm not going to totally discard it because again, um, the Safties originally didn't have Garnett for the role. They had, I think, Amari Stoudemire, who is Jewish, if I'm correct. I don't know if he's Ethiopian, but he is Jewish. Um, but, uh, they weren't, you know, as time went on over the years, like they went basically through different players. Kobe was going to do it at one point, but then he was like, nah, I'm not really interested in acting. So yeah, it was Garnett was kind of like one of the last ball players they had in mind. Like they basically wrote different scripts for each player. And, but yeah, yes. I think Amari Stoudemire was like one of the first ones. Oh, sorry. So they were gonna use the um the like, I guess like footage, and they would have to write it around each like players like actual yeah. pat. What the fuck? I mean, I guess maybe look again. We don't know. We don't know the Safties. We don't know their brains. Um, but I feel like maybe they just had the Ethiopian black opal just set in there. Like this is a beautiful gem. We gotta base it around this, which it is. Um, I can. S- say that because you graciously gifted me a black opal for my birthday a small one but it's still beautiful and like 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 garnett points out in the film you can see a lot of colors in it so i feel like that's probably like an aesthetic choice they made it was just like this is a beautiful gem we have to kind of have this as the focus focal point and i don't know 
that I think that's an interesting thing to bring up because the the film it does be open with them at like the 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 mining like right. the Ethiopian mines for the gem, and yeah, I think uh, you know, they Garnett kind of touches on it towards the end where it's like Howard basically bought like a hunt the 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 gem for a hundred grand and was expecting to get a hundred mil like one million. And, like, Garnett's just like, what the fuck? You really thought that was going to happen? But, like, it just goes to show. It's just like, this is this is a dirty game. This is a fucking capitalism for you. Well, it's just like you're seeing these workers in, in pain, and there's kind of like a riot, too, like, in the beginning because, like, there's an injured worker, and they're, like, kind of going up against the bosses and stuff like that. But, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, uh, Jules's role in the story just because it's like okay it's like howard is and uh is kind of like going through a divorce mm-hmm. but they don't want to tell the kids yet and all that and um and so he's like seeing it's implied that he was basically cheating on his wife with jules and jules is like you know a hot young thing if you will she plays an interesting role in the story in that she's not just like a side piece he kind oh, of like uses her sometimes, which is kind of not great. But also, I guess everybody kind of uses everybody in this movie, and that's yeah. kind of the point. And um, to the main point, you kind of find out it wasn't clear at first, but on multiple watches, you realize like the reason why Julia was kind of getting close to the weekend was she was trying to like um, make a sell from that that piece. Remember, you see that like. Oh, the Michael, the Michael Jackson, Jackson like yeah. necklace yeah. on Michael Jackson on the cross. She was trying to sell that to the weekend, and uh, yeah, and it just goes to show, like, yeah, like people are just kind of trying to use each other. Um, it turns into a glorious scene, that like whole club scene, especially the aftermath, like which between uh, Howard and Julia and they're fighting in the street. I think it's a very powerful moment, especially like with the the music and the soundtrack. It's like she's kind of a uh, taking back her confidence because like howard's just like cutting her down just saying like oh okay you're a fucking whore like go fuck the weekend and just like all that shit (laughs) i mean and it's still an interesting debate like it's interesting yeah to debate the morals and of like of like who really is in the wrong is julia in the wrong here do you think julia was in the wrong i mean she was touching the weekend's dick to be fair it's it's one of those things where like even though Howard was working on it, uh, Julia wasn't like explicit to like, hey, I'm going to kind of try and seduce the weekend to do this, uh, even though they were like still a thing at that point. So, but, it, you know, from Howard's perspective, he just walks in, there's in the bathroom and then there's dick touching and there's there's blow. He's like, what the hell? I'm not invited. Um <laughs> So I, I kind of get it, you know, just from like his context and, you know, Howard is very reactionary, you could say. Um, but I do think that in a weird way, Jules cares about him and not just for his money, which is like kind of wild because he's totally like a sugar daddy type. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see it in that that scene towards the end or after the auction and Howard gets beat the fuck up and thrown in the fountain by Arno's goons. Um, you know, he kind of has that breakdown. I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know what everybody's not ever going right. I know, I know. 
so sad. I'm so fucked up. I'm so fucked up. I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. Everything I do is not going right. Everything I do is not going right. I don't know what to do. I really don't. I don't want any more of this shit. I really don't. I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure this out. I really do. And honestly, like, I'm not gonna lie. That shit got to me on multiple watch and seeing like that breakdown because like he most of the movie he has this kind of like it's okay like like this kind of like show where he's just like you know what i'm just gonna power through but he has this like moment where he breaks down with julia he's just like like i'm so fucking sad i'm so fucked up i i don't know what i'm doing like every day i'm doing is not right like i need help like but yeah so it's a really vulnerable moment and you, you can tell they really do care about each other in some way I guess we should talk about the end of the movie because we're getting a little bit uh, deep into our conversation. So uh, the movie, uh, as we mentioned, there's an auction. Howie tries to get Gooey to jack the jack up the bids, his father-in-law to jack up the bids, and goes doesn't go to plan. Then he sell he sells the uh, the gem to Garnett anyway, and then <laughs> instead of using the money to pay off Arno. Howard decides to get the crazy decision to make a bet on Garnett because, you know, it's a finals game. He gets hyped up and he's just like, let's fucking bet on this. I'm going to bet all this fucking money on you, Garnett. And like, he's just going off. He has a very powerful speech towards Garnett. Like he's just kind of hyping him up and in a way to your point, it's like kind of using him for his own gain. Like he's hyping him up like a coach would, just like like don't these people piss you off? Don't you want to just fucking kill them and sh- tell them who's wrong and shit like that? <laughs> don't you want to kill them for like doubting you and shit like that? So it's just like he's amping them up with the energy and shit like that, and it gets fucking crazy. Fucking stupid. Um. So, you know. I mean, do I just say it? Do I just say what happens? Give your account of the ending. My account of the ending is it was fucking stupid. No, I mean, so, you know, he makes this big bet. He's like, I know that Kevin Garnett is going to uh, make me proud and make this bet, uh, you know, a cover or whatever they say. Um, He's going to get the big bucks, the million dollars off of this 100 and what was it, like 175,000? Something like that. 165. $165,000 $165,000 bet uh, and he's like all my problems are going to go away I'm going to have I'm going to be able to pay off Arno I'm going to be able to pay off the guy that or I guess he's just going to get back or he already got back Kevin Garnett's ring at that point I think oh yeah because he gave him another ring that he just had because he's a fucker um, and uh, you know but everything's going to be great you know in in Sandy's mind he's like oh this is this is fantastic uh, as long as you know, I, I, the, 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 he, I, I thought it was really wacky that the bet included the fact that the Celtics have to win the tip off. Uh, cause that just seems like everything he even said in the movie, like this has to happen or we're fucked, you know, like when the, when, um, Arno and his, his goons are locked in the, oh, yes. in that area. Yes. Let me explain. So, uh, after, uh, after Garnett, you know, gives Howard the money, they have a little deal, uh, tells Julia to go to the window and gives her the bag of money and she goes off to the fucking Mohegan Sun sports book or whatever where you can bet and shit. 
Arno comes in, he's like, hey, where's the money? And he's just like, oh, man, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> Garnett's going to fuck up the money line so bad tonight. And they just they start, you know, getting on his ass about it. Just like, what the fuck? And uh, one of the most heart racing scenes, I would say, of the movie is just like the Phil gets sick of his shit. And they grab him and like almost throw him outside of the window. Like I don't know about you, but my fucking heart like rate like I feel the tension, both in the music and like the way like just the energy back and forth. And you can just see it on on Sandler's face too, like when he's just hanging from the fucking window. And it's just oh man, just that the, that whole fucking ending, just from everything from that to the rest of it is just fucking heart racing. Um, but after that, like. <laughs> They threaten to throw him out the the window, which is weird because, like, they tr- they want him to call, you know, Julia to stop the bet. But then he, you know, the gambling is just too strong in him. Like, he, he's, he can't give up on this. He, he's, all, he's all in. And he doesn't want to give up on this. And then they just kind of say, fuck it, and want to leave. And then they get trapped in the fucking glass door man, whatever, what do they call it? The man trap. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, I love the way they allude to that. Like, it's kind of like a oh, yeah. what, what do they call it? What's the fucking foreshadowing? foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah, they kind of foreshadow that because earlier in the film, there's a fucking great scene where like there's so much chaos going on. Yeah. Garnett comes back with the gem, and then the the door doesn't want to buzz open, and they're like trapped in the glass like man trap, and they're all pissed off, and it kind of like. And I don't know, it's just a genius way to foreshadow that later on in the story that like them getting trapped in the man trap is gonna come later. But yeah, he traps Arno and the rest of his goons in the man trap and basically makes them watch the game. <laughs> and it's pretty funny. And I while, you know, the rest of the goons are on the search for Julia at the, the casino and it's pretty fucking i don't know this movie is just perfect at building tension there's just so many cards so many things you got to fucking keep track of and it's just like holy fuck like you really don't know what's going to happen and what's great about it also too is like even if you're not a sports fan like you get fucking invested in that basketball game because there's so much money there's like a million dollars on the fucking line and (laughs) i don't know it's just really great at setting tension well, as far as the ending goes, uh, I can just say it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you know, fucker gets shot. Um, well, and say he wins the money. Well, he wins the money. Yeah, he wins the money. Like, it all, everything's good. Um, you know, he, uh, Garnett does the shit that, that he does. Uh, the bet, you know, he wins the bet. The bet is good. It clears, whatever you call it. Um, he's a millionaire, you know, whatever. Uh, Julia is, is, you know, currently... Um, cashing out and uh, he finally lets Arno and the goons out and they come in and he's like it's great look at this we're all so rich or I'm rich and I'm gonna pay you back and it's gonna be great Um, and uh, uh, I think there was like a little bit of a I don't think it was immediate when he gets shot if I remember correctly Um, but he gets shot and that's it you know he's done uh, Adam Sandler, Howard Ratner is done. Uh, so then, so there's that, and it just happens. Like they're not shy about it; it just happens. Um, there's no like kind of build up to it. It's just kind of like he just does it. Um, and uh, 
you know, my first reaction to that is God fucking damn it. Um, and, uh, so that happens and I'm like, okay, well, I guess, I guess they're just going to take the money or something. I don't know. But then he fucking shoots Arno too. Like there's a little bit of a struggle and you're like, oh, well he's kind of letting him like live, but there's a bit of a struggle. And then the struggle continues and he tries to leave and then he shoots him. So now he's dead too. Arno's dead. So now this fucker, goon fucker, number one, uh, Phil fucker, number one, um, you know, at this point, it's like, oh, so he's just going to take the money like that. He's just going to fucking win. Um, and and that's very aggravating for me. That doesn't feel like closure. What about his kids? They show his kids a little bit in his family, and you're like, oh, what about his kids? Um, and then fucking uh, something that I... That I uh, so, you know, um, when Julia is in the sports betting place, uh, she meets that old man, I guess. I don't know what he is. <laughs> He's like a, I don't know if he's a director or something, but he's just like, he's in the penthouse, so he's he's living it up. He's just some asshole in New York or wherever. Um, and, uh, you know, she, uh, the, the first thing that happens, like, after both of them get shot is you see that guy picking up the bag. And in my head, I'm like, is he in on this? Like, is that how deep this shit goes? That was not actually the case. But I was freaking out at that point because I was like, what the fuck is he doing? But then he goes out to the limo and gives Julia the money. And she's like, all right, bye. Um, You know, uh, so that was kind of a... Uh, I don't know if that was on purpose, if that was, you know, the, the what they wanted kind of the, the reactions to be. But that's what my reaction was at first was like, is he with them? Like, how does this work? Um, and then, you know, so so when I when I earlier when I talked about the, the lack of closure that I wanted, um, you know, uh, his family, his wife, uh, his kids, uh, Julia is going to eventually find out that he's dead. Um, you know, everybody, Gooey, you know, his name's Gooey. I want to know how Gooey's doing. Um, you know, and that, and so that lack of closure, like, oh, you know, cause he just gets shot and then fucking Arno gets shot and it's like, okay, well, that's it. (laughs) Like these guys are probably going to get away with it. Julia might get killed. I don't fucking know, but she's definitely not going to keep the money. Um, and then that's it. And, and I'm just supposed to accept that. And, um, I don't want to, and it makes me sad. That's that's how I feel about the ending of Uncut Gems. I would like some more closure, and I would I would like uh, I would have liked for everything to end up happy. Well, if you'd like closure and want a happy ending, go watch The Boss Baby too. <laughs> that's all I gotta say. I will say, and you know, spoilers, in the Boss Baby 2, the baby gets shot, and they zoom in into the the bullet wound, and it turns into like the gyms, like an uncut gym. I mean, yeah, like the Safdie brother, I mean, I'm quoting from the Safdies, they basically said, yeah, this movie is like a fable, like Howard cannot win in this story because of all the wrong he has done. It's like, it's like a Bible story in a way, and... Yeah, I don't know. To me, I find that ending so beautiful because they really build up that hope. Like the music is is very like serene and like up, yeah, triumphant and uplifting. And like when you hear like they're like, "Holy shit, we fucking won!" And he's just like, "I love you, I love you." Like you always believed. He even go tells Arno like, "Arno, man, you believed in me, Arno." And like Arno, he even comes around. He's just like, "He fucking did it!" Like, all right, like 
which it just makes that ending a lot more heartbreaking like they like build up so much hope and then they just fucking tear it right under you and that's why i love it so much like everyone when we saw it in the theater everyone like had an audible gasp at that moment they're like did that just really fucking happen like holy shit but yeah as you said you know you see that happen zooms in on his face go into the wound and you see the gem and you realize he was the gem all along. <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking. <laughs> the title refer kind of refers to him. Cause like an, un- like what is an uncut gem? It's a gem that's like, it's rough. Cause like you, you see the black opal. It's mostly, it like it's mostly covered in rock. And then you yeah. see some of the gem. That's kind of Howard in a way. Like he's like, deep down he has the potential to be such a good guy but like and he has qualities about him that are likable but it's just this this jaggedness towards him like like it's his downfall in a way (laughs) i will say howard is affable and definitely i won't just say like manipulate uh manipulative but more of just like he knows howard has the gift of gab for sure, yeah. yeah, and you know he he can even persuade Kevin Garnett, which I don't know, maybe that's like an easy feat, but I mean he does it, uh, and you feel it; it's believable. But yeah, no, it is a question of like uh, who is the real villain in the story. Um, it's kind of like everyone and no one, but I do feel bad for Dina. Dina, Dina's his wife, or like you know, divorcing wife. Let's be honest, I don't think she's going to feel too bad hearing the news. Again, she hated Howard. She was sick of him. She wanted to leave. It's definitely going to fuck the kids up. But yeah, like... Yeah, little... little. Uh, I just remember Danny. I don't remember the other guy's name. But yeah, man, it's it's a beautiful fucking... It's a beautiful fucking film! I guess closing statements, like final thoughts on this film and what would you rate it joe final thoughts um i mean this film is like it really yeah it it really it really kind of fucks with you but it like it shows you everything you need to really understand about the movie you just don't always like see it right away and um yeah i feel like it's very engaging i feel like it it spans you know like uh, i feel like multiple generations Maybe not everyone, you know, but multiple generations could like get behind it, be into it, be like, damn, you know, uh, I might have to go with uh, 8.5. I do really like it. I will say, though, even after multiple watchings, when the movie first starts, I kind of don't like Howard's voice. I'm going to be honest with you. And he's like the main character. That's <laughs> I mean, there's more, but, you know. Um. What about your thoughts, Carlos? And final thoughts and your rating on the film. Uh, you know, it's good. I won't say it's okay. It's I mean, it's definitely very good. Um, I think like you know the way we were talking about in terms of seeing it in a movie theater would probably, I think it did probably have an effect on on how I I felt about the movie and um, I guess kind of the way I processed it. Uh, just cause like you're saying in the, in a movie theater, it's a very communal experience and you get that added, that added experience of, of 
watching it in real time with other people and experiencing it, I mean, for the most part, for the first time with other people, um, unless there was fuckers like you on their eighth watch in there as well. But also, like, if you're in there for your eighth watch, you're probably still reacting, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was it was, it was really good. Um, you know, I, I wish there was, like I said, I want more closure, but I understand that, that closure is overrated um, and closure is, is for closers. Coffee is for closers. Um, and uh, uh, I'm not a closer, so I don't get I don't get the I don't get the closure. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it was good. Um, I think that it, it did a lot of things really well. I appreciated the plot. Um, and, and the, the weaving of the real life and, you know, like you were saying, you know, that Kevin Garnett wasn't their first choice. So they had to kind of rework the script around different people and find different kind of games to go off of. Like they had to find a situation in which Kevin Garnett had a really good game and then a shit game and then a really good game again to kind of keep the narrative together. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it was good. Um, as far as a number, uh, I don't know, eight, I guess. I feel like I'm scared of nine and ten. I feel like those are, like, you know, reserved for, like, Boss Baby 2 and Jumanji. Um, so I think I'd go with a good, a, a solid eight. Um, uh, I would I would probably say, like, to make it a nine, uh, I want... Uh, I want Kevin Garnett to. Uh, I want them to rewrite history and then have Kevin Garnett uh, win the chant. No, I don't. That's not what I want. I'm lying. Uh, that's it. Eight. Eight is what I got. Damn. Uh, well, I'm not gonna give it a ten out of ten, but I'll go close. I'll give it a nine out of ten because I've seen this movie countless of times and it never like. It, you just get really fucking sucked into the world that they create. Like just Howard, the fucking the the people around him, the the madness that ensues from all of the actions, and as well as the fucking music. I fucking love the combination of all of it. Like just the way it's filmed, the cinematography. Just uh, it's it's a movie that just really like in terms of like an emotional roller coaster. That's it's what this is. And I know at the end of the day, it's you know it's like why do you get so emotional about a, a movie about a man a rich man with gambling problems when you know I thought you were on your communist shit. <laughs> I thought you hated the bourgeoisie, <laughs> but it's just I don't know, man. It's just to me, I think that's a testament of really good filmmaking and storytelling is like when like even someone who isn't a part of that world can really be drawn in and connected with that. And I don't know. I think that's why I just, I love it so much. That's why I was, it just never gets old. Like the fucking ending always like makes my heart beat really fast. And yeah, it's just, it's a fucking classic to me. Nine out of 10, you know, it's not a perfect movie. It's not the best movie ever, but I don't know. It just emotionally, it really fucking affected me. And you know, I think that's a testament after so many watches that like I still feel the same as I did the first time. I think that's a really great sign. So yeah, nine out of ten for me. But yeah, Carlos, Carlos Anthony, you should definitely watch Good Time when you have the chance. It's a lot more <laughs> to me. I think Good Time is a uh, way a lot more fucked up and a lot more uh, worrisome because it's not as a uh, you're not dealing with rich people in good time. You're dealing with uh, people who are, you know, struggling 
and uh, some fuck shit happens, you know, as as such in, you know, capitalist society when people have to do dirty things to get by. But, uh, yeah. Anything y'all want to add before we, I guess, roll out? I live in fear of pain, and so therefore movies that give me pain uh as good as they may be i am scared of them uh case in point i have not seen we should talk about kevin uh i know i know what i'm getting into generally speaking with that movie and i refuse to put myself through such shenanigans so this is to say uh this is to to you know kind of to illustrate why uh, i have the reaction i do to uncut gems it's by by no means bad, you know. I just I just uh, I I hate to feel bad after I watch a movie. Like you know, you watch you watch uh, fucking what's it called? Oh god damn it! Uh, what is it called? The movie, the documentary with the kid and the 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 the, the stepmom who's a fuck. The documentary, fuck. What is it called? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know uh, if it's a documentary, but there's there's mommy dearest. No, that's not it. It's about a uh, oh shit. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. This is uh, I need to make this point. Um, fucking ah. Uh, <laughs> it's about the it's the documentary with the kid and uh, the, the the dad who everybody loved he's like oh he's the, everyone's like oh he's the nicest guy um and he lives in canada i think and the fucking mom uh like the stepmom he starts dating this woman and she's like the devil um and it's real she's not the real devil but it's like a documentary and she like kills the son eventually zachary. yes dear zachary that shit Okay, after you watched that, after I watched that, I decided I didn't want to feel pain anymore. Jesus. So I don't like, so now I don't watch documentaries because I don't want to feel pain. Um, and also certain movies that would make you feel pain, I don't like when they happen because I, I don't want to feel pain. So therefore, my reaction to Uncut Gems, my reluctance to watching Mommy Dearest, uh, or, uh, you know, what was uh, the other one I just talked about? Dear, well, the other one. F- fucking uh, we need to talk about kevin uh y- you know um it's i like to feel good i don't like to feel bad uh these are my thoughts i think that brings up an interesting question because i was having this conversation with our good buddy leech um he was talking about have you seen the movie i'm thinking of ending things by Charlie Kaufman. I haven't seen that one. Uh, well, if you're familiar with Charlie Kaufman, he can get pretty fucking sad. And, you know, Leach, he was telling me that, like, yeah, like, he watched it when he was, like, very depressed. But and I was just like, damn, that's, like, a crazy idea to watch such a depressing movie when you're already depressed. But he, he was like, no, to me it's cathartic because then it makes me feel less crazy that, like, I'm not the only one that thinks this way. So I guess the question I want to pose is, like, do you feel a sense of catharsis when you watch like you know kind of serious fucked up movies or so to speak movies that like get very tragic and deal with pain and trauma um what do you think joe personally um as y'all may know my favorite movie is train spotting which is a very just very dark and kind of decrepit movie but it's also i really like it because it is so. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
it is so like morally gray and there's kind of like you know usually the protagonist is like um the person you're supposed to stand by but even you're just kind of like i don't know if i can stand with this guy and i guess uncut gems kind of like that too but my point is that um i feel like life is full of a lot of moral gray points and a lot of like depression and like grief and shit like that and so yes i feel kind of like leech did where it's like i understand these characters and what they're going through because i've uh at least experienced things that are like uh similar enough to what they're going through not doing heroin i've not done heroin but um yeah no i i i watch it i like things like that just because it uh I think I I can't even run away from like feeling things and so I'm always gonna feel emotional and shit and seeing it through a movie it's kind of like being able to like that's my closure in a weird way I know this is gonna sound like a weird transition but have y'all do y'all remember the episode of South Park with like the goth kids (laughs) with with butters butters. Yeah, yeah yeah Uh, and like Stan becomes goth and there's like a like I forget what happens but like Butters is like crying at the end of the episode and Stan's like see like this is what happens when like you like look forward to things or some shit like that or like I don't know I forget what he says but Butters just like you know what I'm I'm you know I'm not gonna run away from my sadness because like it it makes the happy moments feel much happier and I feel like I'm kind of on that level where it's just like like, yeah, I don't like to watch, you know, like these crazy, like traumatic, tragic movies all the time. I, I like a good balance. But like every now and then I think uh, take take a someone like Ari Aster with like Hereditary and Midsommar. Midsommar was a like a really cathartic film for me because that film's about like dealing with a really toxic relationship and like and coming to terms with like getting out of it and like that film really spoke really spoke to me (laughs) even though like some fucked up shit happens in that film but it's it's a it's a very cathartic film to that and uh (laughs) to anyone who's in an unstable unhealthy relationship don't don't watch that on on date night or maybe you should because (laughs) it should be a sign that like you know it's not working out This is what you do to me. <laughs> it happens. There's a there's a rapper named Open Mike Eagle on his latest album, Anime Trauma and Divorce. He has a song about how he watched a Black Mirror episode with his wife, and it basically led to their divorce. And like the hook of the song is like, "The Black Mirror episode ruined my marriage." <laughs> Black Mirror episode ruined my marriage. I mean, that's how it be sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, you can connect heavily. I don't know. I think that's a good uh, debate. If listeners, tell us how you feel about that question, about you know how you feel about watching um, movies that deal with you know heavy shit like trauma, tragedy, and stuff like that. Send us an email or a, a voicemail. Yes, we have an email. We'll get to it at the end. 
Um, but yeah, we went over our final thoughts and ratings, Joe. It's now time for recommendation. You have not gotten to pick the last couple of episodes, so I'm gonna hand the mic off to you. What will be what will we be watching on next episode? Next week's episode? Not next week. I don't know. I'm kind of drunk a little bit. It's a long day. I took half an edible. Uh, it's, I'm not really high anymore. I'm just like slightly kind of buzzed. But yeah, Joe, what's the ne- what's the next recommendation? I you know. I lately I've been thinking a lot about my shitty body and I've been thinking a lot about COVID and how you know a lot of us have been I mean I'm really talking about myself putting on weight and shit and like not really going out as much and uh, it made me want to pick Sunset Boulevard actually I don't know if y'all have seen that I have not seen it yet but I know the gist of it and uh, I feel like it's a very uh feel like it's very relevant to our times right now actually that's an old-timey movie right yes okay i i think i'm aware of it um i know david lynch is a fan of sunset boulevard he's made references to it in the the last season of twin peaks his name uh the character he plays is gordon cole which i think is a character from sunset boulevard but this will be interesting because i'm not used to watching a lot of old movies oh wait so wait can you reiterate why you decided to choose Sunset Boulevard? How it ties to COVID and body? You got to watch it, Armand. Okay. You got to so, so see it. So you've seen it? I, no, I've not seen it. I just know, like, basically what it's about. Okay. And uh, it's a little more, like, it's a little more about Hollywood more than, like, the average person. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of about, like, you just got to watch it, Armand. You just got to watch it. And, um yeah, I also wanted to. Uh, I did want to make a point to pick kind of an old timey, a fucking boomer movie because uh, I, you know I'm trying to expand uh, the viewers' minds. There you go. And you'll expand my mind in the process because I have not seen too much older films. But yeah, so if you don't want to be spoiled, next episode we'll be watching Sunset Boulevard. So. Uh, tune in episodes come out every two weeks but yeah that's been this week's episode uh do you want to say anything before we sign off carlos mencia that is not my name <clears throat> yeah so um carlos anthony wiener danger here uh just to say that uh <clears throat> adam sandler is better than you think he is yeah that's right. If you're listening, Archie, our last guest, he, uh, a running joke in the group is he likes to haze me and hound me for liking Uncut Gem so much. And he's just like, you don't remember what Sandler put us through with with Jack and Jill and grownups. He put us through so much shit, fucking pixels. And I'm just like, I'm like, look, you have a point, but like, I'm not going to deny the goodness that is this film. But yeah, to Sandler's credit, I I I think that he's actually smarter than he like gives himself credit for, and like you know he just knows how to play a Homer Simpson type pretty well. And it all comes back to Homer Simpson at the end of the day. But yeah, so next week, uh, next episode, two weeks from now, we'll be watching Sunset Boulevard. So tune in for that. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it. Uh, as always, you can follow us on the Insta. 
Go to at videotapes podcasts. You can send us an email at we.miss.blockbuster at gmail.com. I didn't, that <laughs> Joe came up with that email, not me. Um, you can also leave us a voicemail. You, you can leave you can leave us a voicemail at uh, our anchor website anchor.fm slash videotapes podcast and uh, I don't know if we're gonna do a patreon or not it could it could happen I think everything's just very up in the air we're probably just gonna focus on getting more listeners and then we'll go from there um, we're just doing this for the love of 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 the art all right, yeah, we're a little drunk, and I got to use the restroom, so we're going to end this episode now. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you, Carlos. My, my name is Anthony Weiner. Uh, thank you, Ann. <laughs> Ann.